With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Drive Through HR. This is Dwayne Lay back in the captain's chair after a very, very long absence. Um, I'm sure you all have missed me at least as much as I have missed you, probably less, because um, I have missed all of you a whole lot. Um, so today we're doing a, a host show. We're just hanging out and talking about stuff. So we've got four hosts. At least half of them are here on the show. So hi, Crystal. How are you? I'm good. Did you say welcome to Drive Through HR? I did. I totally missed it. Hi. Hey, Crystal, welcome to Drive Through HR. Thank you. I think I was caught off guard because we had talked about I was doing the intro and then you co opted. You know what? Here's the thing. Like, we're just going. We're just doing it. That's that's (laughs) how the world is. You got to learn to adjust. You got to learn to adjust. I missed you in the co host chair. Uh, This is actually the captain's chair. You're in the co host chair. Technically, we're sitting on a love seat in our studio. That's true, too. Not a lot of studios have leather couches. So, not in the radio business. There's another whole business that does leather couches in their studios, but no, nope, no, nope, that's not nope, that's not nope, us. Not we're here to today. talk HR. We're here to talk business. We're here to talk about the business of HR. So you have clearly had a lot of coffee today. This is going to be a fun show. I have had the normal amount of coffee, um, and uh, my head feels like it's going to explode. <laughs> so, but we're excited because it's a graduation weekend. High school graduates, college graduates, middle school graduates, probably kindergarten graduates out there someplace. All of them finishing up their schooling and getting into the job market, looking for a place to land, looking for the opportunity to start their careers, especially the kindergartners. I would say so, you know, if you have any kindergarten drive you, job openings, like for sure, reach out yeah, to your elementary sure. school. As, <laughs> a, as a reminder, we do have child labor laws, which <laughs> only are on the books because if they weren't, people would exploit children for labor. And we don't make laws against things that people don't want to do. See, I thought it was so that we could make sure we could exploit children for our own home labor and not, you know, lose out on that also to that. other people. That's also fair. That's also fair. So we, we got a house that needs cleaning. No, I'm kidding. So for anyone that doesn't know us or know the show, Drive Through HR has been running continuously since 2010. We've had a myriad of hosts, but uh, Michael Vandervoort, Robin Schooling, Dwayne Lay, and myself, Crystal Miller Lay. Yep, we are related. He is my husband. But that's the only relation. That That is the yeah. only relation, yes. Let's clarify that. Um, are the hosts of Drive Through HR. And on Fridays, we do this thing, or we've started to do this thing called The Host Show. So today, it is just Dwayne and I. It's kind of fun. You get to have a little bit of, of a glimpse into what life is like with us. You may also hear the pitter-patter of very loud little feet as we have a very full house for graduation weekend. We do. So... Um, to Dwayne's point, like we have a lot of college graduates this month that are going to be entering the workforce and it's a really weird time to have your first job. So we've seen a lot of movement, especially I'm going to say this and immediately try to think of a better term for it on the, let's say the entry level end of the market. I was going to say the lower end, but that's not fair. The entry level end of the market, right? We saw the stories this week about Chipotle um, looking at strikes in their mm-hmm. organizations that basically got pushed into the way they put it, um, upping wages to $15 an hour. Um, I saw an interesting um, discussion going on on Reddit that was talking about line cooks in restaurants and about them holding out 
to get to wages that are fair for the work that they do. Um, they're talking $15, $20 an hour. Um, it's a, for a market that a lot of times is thought of as unskilled, like anybody can go work in a kitchen, anybody can go work as a waiter, which isn't really true, but right. it's what we often think of. Um, it's interesting to see the pushback against market forces. Um, you know, there's been a slew of posts talking about um, restaurants being closed like Starbucks and Wendy's and, and different uh, fast food enterprises because people don't want to work there for seven fifty an hour. Um, so it's interesting. At the same time, uh, I just read that Missouri is one of a number of states that's about to end their additional unemployment benefits. Uh, and Parsons' yeah. comment is, there's plenty of jobs out there. Go get them. Yeah, and, you know, the Federal CARES Act ends in, in Labor Day, and it's a really... I don't know, it's, it's a weird time for graduates, not just this class of graduates. Like if you look at the 2020 graduates, there's, <laughs> I, those are the ones I feel for the most, I think, because they graduated in the middle of a pandemic and there's like 7.9 fewer Americans counted as employed as of March of this year, as opposed to March of last year. And roughly 43% of the class of 2020 still don't have jobs. So when you think about these early career folks that came out last year looking for work, it makes me think that the ones coming out this year looking for work are going to have a fairly hard time with it. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if you're, a, if you're a hiring manager and you have two candidates, one who graduated last year, one this year, a lot of times we've seen there's a natural inclination to, I'm not going to say discriminate against, but to be a little biased against um, people who have been unemployed for long stretches of time. So are you going to look at last year's graduates who couldn't find a job in a harsher light than this year's graduates who are just starting to look for a job? Are you going to look at that year of unemployment and say, you know, something must be up with this person if they haven't worked in that long? You know, the answer is they shouldn't, but we know they do. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the unfortunate thing. So I was having a conversation this week with um, a manufacturing company. And one of the things that we were discussing was the preconceived um, notions of what it must mean if there's an out of work gap on someone's resume. Mm -hmm. And we hit the early careers angle. And I said, you know, the, the issue with the early careers is that there's the assumption that they're, if they're any good, they're going to graduate and immediately land a job mm -hmm. because people are looking for them. And, and it's true that there are still companies that are doing virtual recruitment for early careers and even some in-person events, but it's not, I don't think, fair to say that right now, and by right now, I mean the last, like, I guess, what, 15, 16 months now? Mm -hmm. Um, graduates are in any way, like their, their resume is any way reflective of their actual skills or capabilities because last year there were, I think a majority of organizations scaled back on early careers hiring because they didn't have a way to orient onboard and train them to be work ready. And, and that's honestly, it leads into a larger conversation about a failing in the educational system to produce work ready graduates, but that might be a longer show than what we have time for today. Yeah, it also makes me think about, um, if you wanna think about the advantages that this year's graduating class will have, they also can speak to like, hey, I've been working remote in school for the last year and a half and I've been managing my own workload. So clearly I can be trusted 
to handle this stuff remotely. I don't need to be in your office. But at the same time, um, we had the CDC announcements this week that you are perfectly safe if you are vaccinated to go without a mask in most situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of people that are saying like, yep, that's great. Still going to go ahead and wear mine for a while, which I think is um, reasonable and, and prudent. Uh, I know that we've talked about that, that we're still masking up. Um, but I do appreciate the, hey, you can get a vaccine or you can get a mask. You pick. <laughs> um, we make those a very binary choice for people. Yep. Uh, you know, and you've got Fauci who says that we're going to be wearing masks in the fall and the winter mm-hmm. indefinitely. But this is not a politics show, so I want to be careful to stay out of that. It's I think, not politics. I think we should kind of wrap up this section of drive-through by by talking about what um, guidance the Future of Work survey put out mm-hmm. in terms of how to assess and what employers are going to be assessing mm-hmm. in, in graduates um, this year and how they're gonna be looking at first-time job seekers. Okay. So the Future of Work uh, did put out a survey uh, in the last couple of months around um, early graduates, early career hiring, and said that employers this year, 84% of them plan on hiring early careers workers. Mm-hmm and that their interview presence, um, internship and work experience and cultural fit were going to be the primary focus in evaluating job seekers. With interview presence making 61% of the weight. I find that really fascinating because it's so subjective. How do you evaluate that across multiple hiring managers and know that you're working off the same criteria? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever brought people presence for an interview. Um, <laughs> I have I have totally brought people presents. I brought them shoes with a little tag that said you can keep running around looking for uh, the right people or you can hire me. They did hire me. It's got a very Tobias Funke feel to it. Were the I shoes full know. of glitter? Was there anything? Yep. Mini muffins? Anything like that? Uh, there was no glitter or there should be. Right on. Uh, I think uh, Dr. Daniel Crosby still has all of the glitter uh, that I gave him in North Dakota. Um, fun little story. He said it was his dream to come out on stage like Lady Gaga someday with glitter and smoke. Um, so we didn't have any smoke, but we did hook him up with a large container of glitter right before he got on the shuttle to the airport. Uh, (laughs) It's only been a few years, so he may have most of it out of his hair. Um, well, anything uh, he didn't get out of his hair then probably got back into his hair at our wedding. Oh, that's possible too. There was a lot of glitter. Oh my gosh, you guys, there was so much glitter and bling. Jen Tharp like made that thing shine bright like a diamond. So, um, so back to the idea of these early career graduates coming out because uh, we're very intent on staying on focus today. Um, I'm interested <laughs> to see for organizations that um, you know, try to build out their culture and looking at culture fits as they're going through a massive shift um, of going back into the office. Yeah. Right. There's, we've, we've seen for the last year, there's a huge challenge trying to build and develop culture when everyone's remote, which we'd like to say, nah, it doesn't matter, but it does. It changes things when people aren't together. (laughs) I love that you put when people are remote, there's just such a challenge around understanding culture. It's such a nebulous topic for so many employers. I mean, for so many people, period. Right. Like it's, uh this is the crudest analogy i'm gonna hate myself in like five seconds for sharing it but i can't i can't not it's kind of like a fart like you can't see it but you know it's there when it happens and that's she i think you meant to say art 
And it just had a little blur. <laughs> that works too. Yeah. Um, I sorry. can't define it, but I know what I like. There you go. That's see, much, much more high class. This is why we got married. Um, anyway, the point is like, look, culture can be difficult to wrap your arms around in the best of circumstances. And I think when we look at remote culture, which is kind of what we talked with Alex about earlier this week, mm -hmm. you know, in order to be able to build that in an intentional way, as opposed to just unintentionally happening, you've got to be really in touch with and aligned with your values and the way people work. Mm -hmm. So I was actually thinking more along the lines, not about establishing a culture, but trying to maintain it. You know, a lot of organizations work very hard to build a very specific culture, and then they went remote. Do you think a lot of a lot of companies really do that? I think you're being yes. optimistic. I didn't say the majority. I said a lot. It could be 10%, but there's a lot of employers. <laughs> okay, right? that's fair. And there's a lot of culture consultants out there. And there, there are? are. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. Is um, that its own little cottage industry that I haven't been paying attention to? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why do you think my keynote on culture has always been so popular? Because people love to talk about that stuff. Oh, see, I thought it was because it. you had a, a gif of someone in like a banana thong. No. Wasn't that your culture deck? No, no, no. You're thinking of my um, Ignite deck about data. Yes. And saying data is, is like uh, swimwear, like what it, what it reveals is interesting, but what it hides is crucial. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's available for all of your conference talks, <laughs> folks. It's a fun deck, I promise. Oh, sure. um, but that was only five minutes and it's rapid fire. So that one's exhausting. Uh, anyway, point is, even if you don't, have a intentional culture every workplace has a culture and the culture is the output of a lot of inputs and when we went remote and we being just business in general we changed the inputs which mm -hmm. is going to change the culture right that's that's the whole process equation piece so you know you've you've got organizations that work to build culture and a lot of them used things like you know, free snacks in the building and pool tables and nap rooms and now we've taken all that away and what you're left with is the work and the relationships with the people you work with. Um, for some companies, it's been fine. For other ones, like they've realized that they didn't invest in those things. They invested in the things around the work. So, so I disagree that all you're left with is the work and the people, right? I, I mean, if you, well, you can't see this folks, but he's given me quite the look. I, that's not true, I have no looks. <laughs> so um, I, I think there's more than that. So if you, if you've done your benefits package right, like it's more than just your health insurance. There's employee assistance programs, which we know that a significant number of employers, percentage of employers have beefed up on in the last two years. He's raising his hand on the radio show. Do you know what percentage of people have taken advantage of them? I don't, and I'm really interested to see that data. I know there are some studies about it now, so I'm looking forward to seeing that come out um, in the next month or two. So hopefully we can get uh, Robin Erickson on to talk about her latest information, which I think maybe has something to do with the pandemic, but watch me be wrong. So we'll stay tuned, folks. Hopefully we'll have something on that soon. But you've got the employee assistance program. We're seeing a lot more online learning. Um, there's obviously a small percentage of employers in against the overarching um, depth of employers, but we are seeing more online get-togethers. I think some of those can be kind of crazy, but from a, from a team perspective, like when the team is meeting and just trying to talk in a more unstructured way, I think that could potentially help team relationships. So I wouldn't say they're just left with the work. Well, if you're talking about the relationships between the teams, though, that's the people. 
right, right? but if if what you're saying is they hadn't previously invested in that i think there are more companies trying to invest in it now oh sorry no that wasn't my point my point was there's a lot of things that companies did invest in that now don't matter because people aren't in the workplace anymore like no one cares where your office is no one cares what the decor is like because you're not there well and i think those companies that did invest in those things are the ones that are really pushing to get people back uh, i suspect that is the case yeah so, so. I'm glad we came to that conclusion together. Yeah. Sorry, I clearly need more coffee. That's okay. That's all right. I, uh, I, I'm i only into my third pot. So <laughs> I haven't even finished slow. my first cup, man. I'm slow. way behind. Uh, so quick reset. This is Drive Through HR. This is our Friday host show. We're just kind of talking about what we've seen through the week um, and what kind of things are coming up next week that we're keeping an eye on um, or that we want to talk about. So we this get to is, talk with Josh Rock next week. We do. Are we talking hockey with Jock Rosh? Jock Rosh? That's a whole different person. As it I turns would say, out. Like, I don't Rock. know who that is. And that sounds a lot like Jock Rash. And I don't think he would appreciate That's that. You, owe him you, an said apology. That. No, you said that. You said that. I didn't. I just said it sounded like that. Mm. You were mispronunciation, anyway. not his name. Yeah. His name is Josh Rock, which is actually fabulous. You can join us and talk some talk some hockey, but you Excellent. are not allowed to take over the show with it. Excellent. This cool. is not am, an HR I'm looking heads. forward to you know, talking about how the Blues laid seven unanswered goals on the Wild last night to wrap oh, the season. Oh, gosh, Josh, so, you got to set him straight. He can't. It's over. It's done. Oh. So, and if there's anybody out there who's a fan of the Avalanche, first of all, shame on you. Uh, second <laughs> of all, uh, Blues Avs, round one of the playoffs. If anyone wants to put a little t-shirt action on that, let me know. T-shirt action? Are we doing like the um, HR conference shirts? No, 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 no. It's a long-standing tradition in the Puckheads community that when our teams go against each other, the loser has to wear the other team's T-shirt and put it as their profile picture for a week. I so, had no idea. Yes, Josh has many, many of those pictures of him in a blue shirt. <laughs> um, so, And since they are still the last real Stanley Cup champion, because last year doesn't count, we all know that. Um, Wait, why does last year not count? It was abbreviated season. It's abbreviated season. It wasn't a full playoff. It just it didn't if count. The, if the Blues had won, would it have counted? Um, no. Okay. No, it's an abbreviated season. It's got an asterisk. It's not the same thing. So, anyway, point is, we're here to talk hockey. We're here to talk St. Louis. Wait, that's a different show. We're still talking saying, about HR. Yeah, so. we are not here to so talk hockey. So, hockey teams have HR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't want to... We're not going down that road. I, I okay. think we should we should move on. All like, right, we've got on. recruiters and marketers. It's Tuesday show with Josh Rock. You've got five minutes that so you can do hockey without me going. Okay. Eh, time. All right, fine. So everybody tune in for the first five minutes. We talk hockey, um, and then if you want to stick around for the other smart stuff, Josh says you can. I guess. Um, I think next week we're also going to be talking to the um, IQ Talent guys. So nice. had a conversation with them. We're getting that queued up. Uh, I will tell you. Um, one of the big pieces we're going to talk about is the idea that as we build out our structure and as we build out our, our performance, it's people, processes, and technology in that mm-hmm. order. Um, they say people, processes, and tools. Um, but very, very similar mindset. Like you've got to have the right people in place. Um, I've had many conversations with leaders over the years that have said, hey, let's go look at a new tool. Let's go look at a new platform. If we want to change all these things, we'll invest in it. My answer is always the same. Like, until you know that the platform is your limiting factor, don't go change it. Yeah. Don't introduce that chaos into your system. Um, it's kind of like the idea, you know, with, with Lean and Six Sigma, we talk a lot about the need to be able to replicate the way you operate before you can reduce waste. So you want to do it the same way. And I always come back to the idea of a golf swing. You can't get better at golf until your swing is the same every single time. Because otherwise you're just making tweaks on something that's different 
every swing. So your process and your organization are the same way. If you're not doing the same thing over and over and over, it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to tweak it or change the platform. Get good at what you do, then invest in the technology when it is what is holding you back. Here's the dirty little secret though, it's usually not the technology that holds you back. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a organization that was really, really smooth, that had everything ironed out, that had a system that was the problem. Now, sometimes when you change systems, you'll have implementation people come in and they'll work on your processes and they'll help iron things out. And so it's the catalyst of a new system that gets you to change. Um, but again, it's not usually the system itself. So I love hearing vendors talk about those things. I love hearing our partners in the marketplace talk about how important the people are and the way that they work. So that's a recurring theme we've dove into. And I think we'll get into more of that next week. Right on. So. Gosh, I can't believe our time on the drive-thru is almost up. It's getting close. It's getting close. So um, what was your biggest takeaway from this week? Either in shows, out of shows, what did you take away the most? Honestly, as much as I enjoyed talking with Alex and I did, I think he's um, he's pretty sharp. Uh, the biggest take for, takeaway for me was really around the Chipotle issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yes, which you touched on in the beginning, right? Like they are hiring 2,000 people, but while they're putting out- There's 20,000. 20,000, sorry. Yeah. Again, need more coffee. But while they're putting out those uh, recruitment marketing messages and PR you know, pushes, they also have stores that can't open because they have workers that are striking because they're having to work through breaks because they're not being paid uh, in what they believe is uh, an amount commensurate to the effort that they're having to put mm -hmm. in. Like we talk about pay dependent on experience, but maybe the perspective needs to shift to pay dependent upon what's being asked of you like the doe instead of depending on an experience yeah. depending on effort mm -hmm. right like so so i don't know i'm not saying that we have to shift there but the workers seem to think that that's appropriate and so how do you handle hiring when you have this massive and and to them i would say it is is massive right mm -hmm. like it is also gaining an exposure that's roughly equal to the exposure for the recruitment marketing. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that, right? Like that, that's been really taking up my thoughts this week. That's what's been keeping me up at night. Uh, so, so I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here. If you were running EB for Chipotle uh -huh. and you were having to deal with this and you were having to put messaging together for hiring career fair things, what, how would you do that? Like, what would your message to the market be? Mm, you are putting me on the spot. Um, so in all candor, I think before I put a message to the market, I mean, you still have to hire, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not as easy as just saying like, well, I wouldn't do anything until we fix this. You do have to do both. Right. And we know because they get 20,000, they're trying to hire. Right. So I think part of what, what I would, what I would do phrased and worded a little bit better than what I'm about to share is we're working on it. Like we hear you. I would probably do a, we hear you campaign. And while I'm advertising jobs, I would also be holding town halls, feedback sessions, you know, doing the work with the current employee base to find out like what's really happening because it's not just their pay. Like one of the signs that was shared, um, a picture that was shared out through like every social internet um, platform this week was a picture of a sign where they were talking about they're having to work eight hours without doing, uh, without getting any kind of break. And, mm -hmm. and anybody who's worked anywhere in HR knows that's a violation of wage labor laws. Mm -hmm. uh, um, sorry, of labor laws, not wage laws. So you have to give 
employees 15 minute breaks. Like it's a thing that has to be, and they're not. So that's not a pay issue. It is an employee brand issue, right? It's not a recruiting issue. It's a management practice issue. Mm -hmm. So part of good EB is recognizing that it's beyond advertising, right? Like part of it is the facilitation of the, the um, practices and implementation of values that lead to the reputation that you, that you manage, right? So part of what I would be doing is actually trying to hold some leadership um, meetings and forums to, to be able to dive into that, mm -hmm. like facilitation. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that your approach to it is to tell candidates that you're responding to the employee's concerns. And I think it's a strong message and it's one that I don't see very much in the marketplace. When we talk about places like Amazon, you know, where they've been talked about as having a, a kind of a caustic culture from time to time, like there's mm -hmm. definitely a certain kind of person that performs there and some that don't. And a lot of um, discussion about what they actually expect from people and what they do, you know, there's, you don't hear a lot about companies that are, hey, we got some bad press and here's some major changes we're making to try to deal with it. You should still come work here. Yeah, so. I actually love the change story approach. I mean, of course, you have to have a change story to right. be able to right. tell a change story. But, but if that's the direction you're going to go, like if you're going to make the changes, if you're going to do the work and that's a commitment you're making, you don't have to wait till you're done to be able to start having those conversations. You can actually start with a, we hear you. It sounds like there's some changes we need to make. We're looking at the full extent of those things. Like we're talking with employees. We'd like for you to join us and be part of this change, right? Like there's, uh, it changes the dynamics from villain to, I'm not gonna say underdog because it's not that strong, but from villain to reformed. You know, like the, I look at the the good place. I love that show, right? And, and if you haven't watched it, it's hilarious and you should, but um, Michael is the name of the um, the architect of the series. And I'm totally gonna give you spoilers. So if you haven't watched it- You're gonna give out spoilers for a show that ended a couple of years ago? Yeah, bold. I, I am because a lot of people haven't seen it. So if you wanna watch it, just earmuffs for like 60 seconds. But so, so Michael started out as the, the villain of the series, right? And by the end, he was. He didn't start as the villain. He started as, to your point, he was the architect. He was the good guy. He was the one who was welcoming. Well, and then. He was the villain in the Then he was the villain, yes. The point is, he started out as a literal demon yeah. and ended the show as a reformed hero. And I think that employers can do the same thing. Look, it's a lot of work for it to actually be genuine and sustainable, but it's certainly possible. The trick to it is accepting vulnerability and employers are historically bad about that. Yep. They don't want to own vulnerability, which is crazy because employers are, are really just a bunch of people. Like, companies right. are a bunch of people and we're all flawed. So being able to own some of those flaws and show that you're changing them, I think is really important. And when you do that with the people that have yet to work with you, what you're telling them, what you're showing them, is that you will probably do the same thing with other issues that have problems. And we all experience them in every job that we have. So I think it's a powerful message. It does have some historical success, but that's what I would do. That's where I would start. Would you ever consider doing a town hall meeting with the employees, like a company like, let's not say Chipotle specifically, but a company of their size and, and build? Um, would you ever consider doing those employee town halls and making them public? 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't advertise that in advance. No, but, um, might I make a town hall that had been held public potentially? I mean, yeah, I think some of that boils down to the agenda and the size of the groups. I personally am not a fan of mob sized town halls, mm -hmm. uh, not because I'm afraid of pitchforks or anything like that, but the more people that you have in a town hall, the, um, the more likely it is that your agenda is going to go haywire. So I personally like smaller um, town halls, almost focus group feelings um, are feeling sized so that people are able to be a little more comfortable expressing their feelings um, and giving feedback. And I think that, you know, you reach a, a tipping point. So for me, when a group's over 50, no, I'm not, I'm probably not going to make anything that's said they're public, probably, but um, that's just me. What about you? Um, you know, I've, I've been in a lot of town halls and I would love to do a town hall show at some point and talk about like what works, what doesn't. Okay. Um, I've been in ones where it's whoever can fit in the room. I've been in ones where it was a global on the phone kind of thing. And I think it's fascinating and not surprising, but fascinating how when you, the larger the audience gets, the less likely it is anyone will speak up. Right. And for sure, the less likely it is anyone will speak up like in, I don't want to say conflict, but um to oppose something that's been said, right? Or to offer a, a different perspective on something or to really question leaders. Oh, um, I, I was, that. I, I disagree with that. No, no, I'm saying the bigger it is, the less likely. I'm not saying people won't, but yeah. I can tell you an organization I worked with that was over 50,000 employees, you know, worldwide. I asked a question of our CEO and it was a, I want to say a pointed question, but it was a pretty, pretty direct, which was they had, they had started this entire a campaign about we want to hear your ideas and we're building out you know a SharePoint site where you can tell us what your thoughts are and we want to know all these things because you guys have great ideas and your ideas are valuable and it's all really good messaging um, and we got into the town hall and the CEO was talking about um, the leadership team and about their innovation workshop and all these great ideas that they came up with and all the things that they were doing with their ideas um, and I, I just asked them like what about the ideas that came in through this innovation site? Because everyone could see that there were two or 300 that had been sent in and not a single response on any of them. And, and I won't go into detail on what was said, but I actually had people like reach out to me afterwards to ask if I was getting fired because I had asked a really direct question to the CEO. And, and frankly, he gave a really dumb answer. But, but we were like, yeah, like, are you leaving now? Is that what's happening? Like, you can't ask those kind of questions on a call that size. I said, well, then, you, then what's the point of the call? Like, and, and by the way, I, I didn't, I wasn't asked to leave and, and nothing ever came up the question, but that's not the point. The point is like the reaction to people like seeing a question put to leadership like that was interesting to me. Uh, and I don't see that when it's smaller companies, smaller groups, because it's intended, I think intentionally to be a little more open and candid. So that's my thought. That's fair. Uh, conversely, I, I remember sitting in uh, at a client's town hall. Uh, they had 10,000 people in one giant stadium. Mm -hmm. um, and they had sourced questions in advance, right? But they did the thing of like, if anyone out just yeah. asked a question and they had people with microphones in each section and, um, and they got some questions they were not prepared for. And I think that that's, you know, the more people that you have there and it, it, some of it depends on the culture that's been built before then, like, in your example, it sounds like the culture that had been built in that organization was very much a, you know, uh, don't speak up. You know, you're 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 not valued, which is probably why they were doing that exercise to begin with. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, but yeah, that's some really, really interesting questions. Very direct, very not, um, not on message, mm -hmm. right? And so I think when you go back to the question of do you publish those things, like is there value in it? Maybe, I think there's probably more value into recording those sessions and taking excerpts, mm -hmm. right? And whether that's excerpts in a blog format or if it's in a press release or if it's you know, put on your career sites or social channels, you know, being able to give people a glimpse behind your curtain is certainly a valuable thing as long as you action against the things that you're doing. You brought up Amazon, and I think that's a fascinating example, right? They 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 kind of remind me of the British royal family in, a, in the sense that like they don't really respond to a lot of the things that are said about them, and you get like these really mixed messages. Um, you know, on the one hand, I think there was a a thing that they were in, like one of America's worst employers or something like that, mm -hmm. but on the uh, worst places to work. But on the other hand, like you talk to individual Amazon employees and there's all of these things that they're doing that we would look at and say like, yep, this is 100% what you're supposed to do as it relates to culture like, um, and, and performance and engagement, like weekly and, and daily you know, raffles for hitting production and performance goals and you know, all kinds of training and all kinds of, of benefits that are sometimes hard for other employers to touch, which is why it's really difficult, much like when Walmart used to come into a market and basically just kill mm -hmm. um, everyone else's ability to get talent um, for unskilled and semi-skilled labor, Amazon does a lot of the same thing now. So I think, you know, when we look at that, um, it's interesting to me that they don't publicize that nearly as much as, as you would think that they would or could, yeah. maybe should. So we have, kind of been all over the place in this we really have. Um, and and you know it's a host show so we're allowed to do whatever we want and that's that's our prerogative as, <laughs> as bobby brown would tell you so um all right so let's wrap up hey thanks for hanging out with us a little bit um it's always nice to um know that you can hear me yeah. um, or, um before... or get online and see me or whatever it is but uh it's nice yes you have yeah, party thoughts i do i want to make sure that we run through the schedule real quick so people know what's coming up next week uh, because we do have a great schedule uh, as mentioned earlier, we've got Josh Rock on Tuesday, recruiters and marketers. We have Laura Mazzullo with Robin on HR hiring right now coming Wednesday. Karen Kenny, the CEO of Evolve Leadership with Michael on Thursday. Uh, and Dwayne, I believe you said you're putting in a show next week as well. It'll be somewhere in there. If not <laughs> next week, the week after. Excellent. And then a host show on Friday. So next week sounds like it'll be a fun and full week. And then I'm going to leave you with Friday, or sorry, Tuesday. 525 when we talk with the one and only Martin Burns on post-pandemic TA trends. So mark your calendars, get ready for some fun on the drive-through because we are bringing in the summer heat. Did you realize that his name is a complete sentence? Martin Burns. Oh. Isn't no, that interesting? I yeah. had never actually thought about really that. Is. I learned that because of Todd Burns, who was a reliever for the Oakland A's back in the day. And it's not a great full name for a reliever um because supposed to put out fires not to anyway we need like little symbols and womp womp sound effects not for me that no my stuff is, is fantastic okay so that's enough from you and that's enough for me and that's enough for from the week through. that's enough mm -hmm. from drive through so thanks for hanging out everybody hope you have a wonderful weekend and we will see you all on tuesday bye guys
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.